Hello, I'm Justin Wheeler, and welcome to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. Cultivation is the key to connection. The title of today's podcast and a relatively core fundraising strategy. So why are we talking about it like it's news? This quote right here. It's amazing how many nonprofits opt out of communications during the giving season. Nathan Hill, VP of Marketing at Next After, isn't talking about being skimpy with the outreach. He's talking about zero communications, radio silence, during a month that brings in a third of the year's giving. Nonprofits, why? So while it may seem central to fundraising, there are bigger questions at play. Why aren't nonprofits talking to their donors? Which comms cut through the year-end chaos? What would make it a no-brainer for nonprofits to start building relationships? Is there an ace in the hole that makes cultivation a clear-cut tactic? Listen in as Nathan and I tackle these tough questions and build a cultivation strategy that will take your nonprofit through the year-end giving season, into the new year, and produce results for year-ends to come. Fundraise has partnered with Next After to make year-end fundraising success accessible for nonprofits everywhere. Free. Get Next After's year-end fundraising for online fundraisers certification course free for a limited time, courtesy of Fundraise. Now, let's dive into the podcast. It is your number one priority to ensure that your business can continue to deliver on its mission, whether it's this year, next year, and beyond. I'm always so baffled when I when I do webinars. There's always somebody at the end who raises her hand and says, I'm the development director. Should I have access to the budget? <laughs> I'm always like, yes, you've got to know that. The best thing that we can do is just raise as much money as possible and then give it to the people around the world. If you're going to be sustainable, you have to have a multi-channel strategy to reach all of these different generations of donors however they want to be reached. The best thing you can ever do as a nonprofit leader is spend as much money as possible on your story. And it snowballs like any peer-to-peer campaign. The more people that view this content, the further and further it grows. Then you're doing it wrong. That is unacceptable and that is not the way to run a board. The more nonprofits can give their donor base that experience of the impact that's being made on the ground level, there's nothing else you have to give someone. This is Nonstop Nonprofit. Hey, listeners, welcome back to Nonstop Nonprofit. Very excited for today's episode with Nathan Hill from Next After. Nathan, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. It's been a busy day, but I am excited to chat year end here for a little bit. Yes, that is what we're here to talk about. Uh, we got an opportunity here at Fundraise to be a part of sponsoring the uh, end of year fundraising course to make it available for free for nonprofits, which we'll share the link afterwards so you all can check out the amazing report that the Next After team put together. Uh, Nathan, before we jump into some of the tactics around uh, end of year fundraising and and some of the tips that uh, you guys covered in, in, in the report, I have two questions. One's going to be easier than the other. So we'll start with the easier question first. Bring it on. Tell us about Next After and what it is that you all do. Sure. Next after is three things, but but primarily what we do is we help nonprofits grow their their digital fundraising. Uh, but what makes us different than than most, uh, if not different than than everyone, is that we are hyper focused on data and on testing and on research and on optimization and trying to use data and analytics to really listen to donors and actually decode what works to grow giving. 
Uh, so we're a research lab where we're going to go out, we're going to conduct research, see what nonprofits are doing. We're going to test those things and see, do they actually work? We're a consultancy. So we work with about 40 uh, different clients, uh, nonprofits on an ongoing basis to grow giving. Uh, and then we're a, a training institute. So we're trying to take everything that we're learning and just fulfill our mission to equip as many fundraisers as we possibly can with what works to grow generosity. Awesome. Well, thank you for that uh, great introduction. The harder question, and, and it's more maybe of a, of a curveball, so it's really, I don't think it's that challenging, but I'll let you decide that. You know, one of the, I think, challenges, the systemic challenges that nonprofits face is just a, a lack of prioritization around marketing, mm. right? They think, oh, we've got a fundraising team. That's our marketing team. That's that's how we drive dollars. That's how we, you know, grow grow the organization. And so, so many organizations just have a real lack of marketing expertise. And so one love to hear your feedback on just why this is such an important function of, of any nonprofit, large or small. And you know, just from your experience working with, with so many organizations, why is marketing so important? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and I might even say, you know, from kind of what we've seen, you know, as we, we work with a, a variety of different organizations, we actually just wrapped up a, an interesting, more like survey research report for uh, nonprofit executives really trying to assess and what's the effectiveness of a lot of nonprofits related to fundraising, marketing, communication, all that, all that good stuff. And what, what people at least say, now this is more like survey type of research, uh, what people at least say is that there isn't a lot of integration between fundraising and finance and marketing. So even if like the marketing side of things does exist, oftentimes it's, it's totally like divorced from the, the fundraising financial mm -hmm. type of goals. And so, so e even if you have like high quality marketing, it's, uh, there's a big question around like, what's the point of it? What is it leading to? We can really easily get, you know, hyper-focused on a lot of what I would consider to be, you know, superficial metrics around like impressions and, and reach and like video views, especially when you're running ads in Facebook or something like that. And, and those metrics change all the time. It's like, what does Facebook classify as a video view? We get excited because, whoa, like 6 million people or something <laughs> uh, crazy like that saw our video, but they just pass it by in a newsfeed. So what's it worth? So we get excited about those type of reach metrics without really tying those into really tangible engagement metrics to measure, you know, what's the likelihood of someone that you, does see your video or your ads or whatever becoming a volunteer, becoming a true mm. advocate for you, becoming a donor, becoming a donor that retains, moving up to major giving and actually looking at the full life cycle of someone you interact with. Oftentimes those those are two very different functions, the the outreach and then the ultimate like engagement and fundraising side of things. But if we're really serious about growing the impact, those things have to be hand in hand and have aligned goals. Otherwise you've got so much competition and conflict, you know, inside of your organization, inside of your goals, inside of your teams, like how do you go anywhere? Yeah. No, totally. I that that makes a lot of sense. Totally agree. The reason why I asked the question is just it's just the more the more nonprofits that we work with, you know, this is just a a, a gaping problem that I see. Mm. And it's a challenge that a lot of nonprofits recognize, but they try to fill it with the wrong talent, the wrong people, the wrong function, right? And I, I just see too much of of fundraising trying to fill the the void of of marketing. Yeah. Anyways, I wanted to talk about a little touch about that a little bit because I think it's a good backdrop to to some of of the conversation we're going to go into around year in giving because you know as as organizations around the country are gearing up for the most anticipated fundraising season, uh, right? Really, the last six weeks, starting with Giving mm -hmm. Tuesday and leading into the end of year, 
there's organizations in boardrooms today talking about what's our strategy, how do we have a successful end of year, how do we really maximize on on the opportunity in front of us? And so, uh, as we enter this this season, uh, what advice would you give to to really help nonprofits maximize this time? Yeah, it's a it's a great question and it's a critical question about just what do you actually do during the season? How do you even stand out when there's so much like chaos, specifically in the inbox, but just during such a busy <laughs> season from nonprofits and for profits? Uh, I was actually I had a, a speaking gig at a, a, an event a, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and the topic of the the, the whole like virtual event was about uh, innovation and how do we inject innovation into like nonprofit fundraising and giving and and then at the same time we were talking about year end specifically based on a research report we we put together uh, uh, analyzing like multi channel fundraising efforts during the 2020 season. And what we found through that was like, yeah, I know we want to talk about innovation and how we do all these cool things, but what we've really found is like, I, I mean, text, texting is not that innovative and calling your donors is not that innovative, but no one's even doing those things. Like out of 119 organizations that we analyzed the entirety of the 2020 year end fundraising season, I think we got one text or no text messages and we got one phone call out of 119 nonprofits. So like there's like this basic like multi-channel fundraising type of approach that we talk about and we don't do. And then the really basic blocking and tackling of like, we should connect with our postal donors and we should connect with our online donors and maybe use some of those channels like interchangeably to connect with someone holistically. Like oftentimes we just don't do a lot of those basic things. So then to think about, you know, how do you inject innovation into that? Like, that's way down the road if you're not even doing like the basic stuff. So th- that ultimately, if there's one thing that I would encourage anyone to focus on, uh, and this sounds way too simple, but the data is striking. Like number one, just show up because <laughs> it's it's amazing uh, how many nonprofits are, are, are completely opting out of communication during the most critical giving season of the year with people who have donated to them this year. So maybe there is an intentionality around like, well, they gave to us this year. And so maybe we shouldn't go ask them again. But in this research study specifically, we had given to them like six or seven months before. And now they're they're choosing not to communicate with us during such a critical season. And you know what? Everyone else is going to be communicating with me, trying to get my right. some some portion of my wallet. But I've expressed interest in in you and that I care about this cause. So So why wouldn't you show up? So that's like, that's point number one is, is just be there and connect with your donors, even if it's not like a fully baked comprehensive strategy, like just send something and, and, and be there and be present. But then beyond that, I'd also encourage uh, fundraisers and marketers and nonprofits to do something besides just ask for money. Uh, it's really easy in the season to you know, we put together your direct mail appeal, put together like a single email appeal, send these things out hope for the best and then kind of move on. But one thing that we find very consistently, both in the year end season and, and throughout the year is just the impact that little bits of cultivation have. And that's really where you know, I think the marketing side of things often comes into play and where these, you know, maybe fundraising and marketing don't communicate nearly enough because marketing often has the content that might cultivate someone really well, but fundraising may not have access to that. But if you can kind of marry those two things, both the appeal side of it and the cultivating content, you can actually see if you invest in cultivation uh, on an ongoing basis, we tend to see uh, big increases in revenue just because someone is able to stay more connected to the cause mm. and the ultimate outcomes of their giving. That's good. Yeah, I was I was going to 
you know, I was just going to share, uh, add on to that, you know, a lot of times too, what happens when you have strong cultivation, it does prime the donor just to, to give when, when they're ready to give. Right. So like it might even be shortly after the initial kind of cultivation, you know, tactic that took place, whatever, whatever that strategy might be. I, I've seen that time and time again in, in, in my fundraising, it's donors know that it's their job to give. They know that they get that. Like that's, that's why they're talking to an organization. Right. So not, mm. not again, like not that like every donor should never be a, have a direct ask. Of course we need to do that, but there's sure. also opportunities when you cultivate a donor in such a, in such a great way that they're going to give their best gift without you asking being so direct. Again, it doesn't happen all the time or it's, it's not, it's not something I would say like, that should be your, that should be your entire fundraising strategy, but yeah. cultivation does have that sort of nice low hanging fruit for the donors that are serious. Absolutely. And then there's the argument around like, you know, average gift size and things like that. Like if someone has a deeper understanding of the ongoing impact of their gift, like they're going to be that much more likely to say yes when you send that appeal out next time. And also to say yes at a higher level because they have seen consistently in their inbox or in their mailbox, or maybe you've called them on the phone and you've told them stories of impact. Like they have seen the impact on a cause and a value set that they care about through their yeah. giving. So there's, there's, there's tons of ramifications for just cultivating well and staying connected to people. Yeah. The other, the other thing I wanted to comment on, on your first point from experience here. So at Liberty North Korea, we used to do these things uh, in November and December once a week called power hours and the entire team, intern staff, everybody uh, would just get on the phone and call our fundraisers, our donors, recurring donors. Everyone was given a list and it's like, call them and thank them. And ask them if they have any questions about what we're up to in, in the, you know, the, ne the next year, basically. Just a very organic conversation. People yeah. weren't given scripts. It was just meant to be a nice – and time and time again, people were like, wow, an organization has never called me. Right. And so to your point where you, wow. had, you had said one organization said that they make phone calls and it's, you know, it, feels, it doesn't feel like the most innovative fundraising approach, <laughs> but that personalization – it goes a long way and especially yeah. in retaining, you know, people who really, who really care about the cause. And so I love that point of, of, you know, sometimes you don't need to, you don't need to have the most innovative strategy. You just need to get the fundamentals right to have a strong fundraising program. So I just wanted to add that to your, your first point there. Yeah, I love that. And, and that, that's a super practical way to actually make it happen. I think we can really easily, no matter what your resourcing is, whether you're a million dollar nonprofit or you're a hundred thousand or you do hundreds of millions of dollars in donations and revenue, like we all get caught up in this sense of like, oh, we never have enough resources. We never have enough money and funds to do this type of stuff. So the, the third thing that I would love for people to, to take away going into the season, especially with Giving Tuesday, like literally right around the corner, at least as of recording today, is to understand the role that Giving Tuesday plays in the larger picture. Because there's, there's so much importance, certainly, on Giving Tuesday. There's some really interesting data around the potential it has for new donor acquisition. But understanding where it falls in terms of like the revenue priority, I mean, if our ultimate goal for many organizations in year end is like, we're raising 30 plus percent of our budget for, for 2022. We need to know where uh, we can maximize revenue the most. Uh, and what we found consistently, like year after year, the last week of, of giving, the last week of the year is the biggest giving week of the year. The last day of the year is the biggest giving day of the year. In fact, in 2020, from the organizations we're, we're like studying and analyzing, 734 I'll say that again, 734% more revenue came in during the last week of the year than came in on Giving Tuesday. 
Hmm. And so there's a, yeah. there's a role for Giving Tuesday. There's high urgency. It's a growing movement. More money comes in every single year. So you should be present on that day for sure. But if we're going to prioritize things and say, if I've got limited capacity and budget and ability to focus on you know, one day or the other, I should prioritize the last week of the year and December 31st uh, in, my, in my campaigns. Definitely show up for both if you can, but I would put most of your emphasis and focus on that last week of the year. Absolutely. And that's not, not surprising at all. I mean, our data shows across our customer base, December 31st, single biggest giving day you know, in the entire year. Uh, followed by that last week. And then, of course, you know, Giving Tuesday is usually kind of kicks off the, I mean, again because of the urgency of, of that day, like you mm-hmm. mentioned. And so definitely agree with that in terms of prioritization. As we kind of transition, not transition here, but um, the the so the, the report that you guys put together that we sponsored, it, it's called the Year in Fundraising for Online Fundraisers course. And it's it really is chocked full of just great year in strategy lessons. Give us the cliff notes or like the single best tip that you think uh, would be the most practical or you know the the best secret weapon uh, that you guys have up your sleeve that you would really prioritize for end of year fundraising. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're calling it a secret weapon or something here, I think the secret weapon is priming, and it's not such a secret tactic or a secret strategy, but it's something that most organizations opt out of. Where oftentimes we get really focused on the appeal and how do I craft the appeal and how do I like knock that out of the, out of the park. And sometimes we forget this more like, the again, the cultivation piece of it. How do we prepare people for the appeals that are going to be coming? But again, ultimately, whether it's through email or it's through sending a postcard uh, or, or some other channel, the ways that we cultivate and build into a relationship with our donors during the season have a tremendous and direct impact on the likelihood of someone choosing to give and choosing to give at a higher level when you send that direct appeal. One thing we found in our most recent year-end research uh, was that 80% of nonprofits uh, opted out of sending any form of cultivation to their hmm. online donors during the year-end season. And quite honestly, the bar for what what we considered a cultivation message was really low. Essentially, we divided things into two categories. There's either solicitations, where you are clear, clearly asking for money, or there's cultivation, which was basically like anything and everything that's not a solicitation. So the bar is low. Yet again, 80% of nonprofits send no cultivation to their online donors. So that's just like a, a way to even be different, surprisingly, is, is prime people for appeals that are going to come later by sharing testimonials and stories of impact and, and, and things like that, sharing free content. If we want to get really tactical down to like a you know, one strategy that you should probably implement and test this season, I would consider how, like what kind of content that you have or do you have that you can share? Is it like, do you have eBooks? Do you have some sort of like video series, uh, something as in depth as maybe an online course, but even like surveys and petitions and quizzes, like things that are valuable content for someone that they have to provide maybe an email address in order to access can be a great uh, sort of front door to get someone's attention and get them to engage and get them to lean into you. And then on the other side of that, you can turn around into uh, a donation appeal, but we're mm-hmm. leaning first into content uh, especially it's a, it's a great strategy for Giving Tuesday to be able to participate in the giving yourself first and actually give something to your donors first before you actually ask them for money. We've seen that to be a really practical and helpful tactic, both on Giving Tuesday and then throughout the season as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. At Link, we we had this process for our end of year, which we called Ask, Ask, Give. 
And basically for every two ask appeals that we would send, the third had to be some sort of gift, right? And it was usually just like testimonials, like you mentioned, case studies of of the impact of our work. Like obviously we weren't, we didn't have products to give out or, you know, we didn't think that was the best use of of resources. Instead, it's, we delighted our, our supporters with information that helped them understand the bigger picture. And so that was, that was, you know, pretty simple process for us uh, to keep in mind that like the, to, to ensure that we are always cultivating uh, in, especially in a, a very, you know, busy and, and high traffic kind of giving season. Speaking yeah. of emails, uh, the year in course talks quite a bit about uh, communication through email. Uh, and we know not all nonprofits have large subscribers or maybe don't have the expertise to run an email program. So any thoughts or suggestions around how an organization can get better at that and kind of piggybacking off of that, why is email such an impactful method for communication? Yeah, well, let's start on the part two of that question first. I think that's a good entry point because email is far and away the most powerful digital direct response channel that that we have because if you're sending emails, you are in the inbox talking to a real human being, ideally talking as a human being. And obviously, if you have an email subscriber list, that's like an owned audience. You have control over a lot of the interaction. And we see that the conversion rates in an email are tremendously higher than any other you know, digital channel. Like you're going to see way higher conversion rates of you know, the amount of people you send to versus the amount that are becoming a donor from your single email. That's going to be way higher than like running Facebook advertising and running whatever other advertising that you're, you're using. Uh, because it's an own audi- audience, it's an owned channel, uh, we see way higher conversion rates through email. That being said, to your point, not every organization has a massive email subscriber file to lean on especially during this season. And so I would actually encourage that if that's kind of your position where where you're at today is like, I don't don't really have an email file. We don't really have an email program. What we consistently find with every organization we work with is the, the, the leading indicator of your ability to raise money online and do so effectively is the size and the quality of your email file. You need to have obviously high enough volume but also high enough quality to make sure you can actually deliver emails to those people that their inboxes that are actually monitored. You don't have the junk email addresses of somebody, but actually the one that they care about and want to hear from you. So both size and quality are critical there, but that is the leading indicator of your ability to raise money online. So even if you can't you know, blow that up this season and over the next month or so, uh, I'd encourage you to start looking you know, as you're getting things set for 2022 and what are your goals and where you're going. I'd prioritize that both. How do you go acquire new emails uh, of people that look like your donors online using you know tools like Facebook advertising is a, is a great, like fairly efficient channel uh, to use to acquire new leads that way. But also, are there means that you can acquire the emails of even your offline donors? Because what we what we see consistently is that even if an offline donor never gives to you in an online capacity, just having their email address and being able to cultivate them in another channel significantly raises their uh, you know, average value to you as well as their retention rate. Makes total sense. You know, the, the best time to start email fundraising was yesterday. The next best time is today, right? So you just have to, Absolutely. you have to get, have to get started. And it, it's, you know, it, again, and it's, it's, it's so interesting to me, you know, with, with how like tech has, has, has advanced that email still continues to be one of the best, sort of like engagement channels, especially with in, in fundraising. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, it's interesting. Right? Cause you hear a lot about like SMS and, and text and, and so forth, but still, you know, we see 
that email is still you know converting uh, at the at the highest sort of levels. And so that's a great point. Keep keep working on building it, your list. And I, and you know, it'd be fun to dig in at a later time to sort of like that threshold of like quality and, and size and, and like what that means and, and how an organization yeah. could use that sort of as a benchmark. We don't have time today, but that, that would be a super interesting kind of deep dive for, for, for sure. an organization. One thing, one more thing I'd add to that, if, if I may, is, is that, you know, if you, if you, if you neglect the email file growth, the, the other primary option in terms of reaching people digitally is, is other than like organic traffic growth and things like that, which is its own other topic we could get into, you're largely going to be paying for, for eyeballs and for traffic. And you know, the trends, especially over the past six months, is that the, the price of traffic is going up and it's yeah. not going to stop as you have increased you know, privacy regulations and laws. And, and those, those are, are a great thing for the consumer, but then for us as people trying to, you know, find new traffic and new sources of people coming in to see our organization, it's just getting more and more expensive. And so if you don't invest in your own, like owned audiences, like an email file, you're just going to keep paying, pay, paying more and more and more for less and less traffic and exposure. That's a good point. That's great advice. So you've obviously heard a lot of conversation around the need for omni-channel fundraising, meet your donors on the channels that, you know, they they are kind of congregating. And so if you could like talk to us, what does this mean for end of, end of year fundraising? Like, should it be a centralized campaign, you know, where you're driving your traffic or should you take the more omni-channel approach and, and have these micro campaigns, you know, across multiple channels? What, what's your thoughts mm. there? And what does your re- research suggest? What I would suggest, and I, you know, when you, when you get to talking about like, how do you coordinate every single channel that you have access to, there's not necessarily like a, a clear A-B test that we would normally default to to tell us what to do. But what I would what I would suggest, you know, based on our experiences, is to be ever present. So as you said, you know, be where your donors are, be active in the channels where your donors are are active for sure, and be incredibly consistent. So having consistent messaging is critical. But I think what what gets lost sometimes um, is is what we would call the value proposition and making sure that you you fully articulate your value proposition and we can unpack that if, if uh, in, in a moment but articulating your value proposition consistently throughout channels and never assuming that someone knows enough to give we typically would define the term value proposition as the answer to one question which is why should i your ideal donor give to you rather than to some other organization or even at all, because I don't have to give. And too often we we assume that just because someone has seen you know something on social media, whether it's on Facebook or otherwise, and maybe they've clicked to through that to a donation page, is like bam, we got them on the website, we got them on the page. They're motivated to give. We just need to make that process as easy as possible from here on out, and that's that's the only way to grow giving then on your page. But what we find all the time is that. You know, the one of the biggest indicators of your ability to convert someone on a donation page is how much copy do you have that's articulating why should I give? Hmm. Uh, and uh, all you have to do is look at the conversion rates on your page in order to see how often we fail our donors. I believe the MNR benchmark right now, or the most recent one, is like 24% average conversion rate on a donation page, which basically means that three out of four people coming to your page uh, considering donate donating to you we have failed and let down in some way, shape or form. 
the biggest culprit of that is just not articulating your value proposition. But you've also got things like friction that stand in the way and make it really difficult for someone to actually give. There can be a variety of factors there, but we have to be understanding throughout whatever channels we're using, where our traffic is going, that we have consistent uh, and congruent messaging that's leading them every step of the way, reinforcing why should I give, uh, leaning into this idea that someone is never fully motivated to give until they've actually pulled out the credit card, filled out the form, hit the button and given. It's not done until it's done. Totally. You, and you guys focused on this in, in the year-end course where I, I think you, so you call this, uh, I think it's sparkline of a donation, right? Yeah. And basically it's, you, know, you show tons of, tons of website examples, experiments of, of, uh, in the course. Um, and so, and you kind of hint, hint, um, hinted about this in terms of sort of, you know, what to include on that, like on that donation page, but mm -hmm. is there anything, is there like one, I guess, outstanding thing to do or not to do in that case that you've experimented with? They're like, this works, or this is a donation killer. What should organizations mm -hmm. stay away from on their donation pages? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question because there's like a hundred things that pass through my brain immediately that we could talk <laughs> about and maybe should dive into uh, everything from copy to imagery to, to page layouts and form functionality and all that stuff. But I think one thing that's really, that's really common, whether it is in your email copy that you're writing or it's communicating on your donation page is that during this season and during really any like high urgency type of campaign, we can sort of default to this idea that there there's a goal, there's a deadline, there's urgency, and that's the reason to give. Or maybe another approach is like, we've got this additional like incentive, like if you give before this time, then your gift will be matched or you'll get this free thing. We lean into urgency and incentive while missing the point, which is the core reasons to give. And in this season, every single nonprofit could go on their donation page and put a little countdown clock and have a little thermometer progress bar tracking to the goal and ask you to give. But again, back to that core question, like, why should I give to you rather than literally any other organization on the planet? Because I could give to so many other organizations that I care about that all have the same deadline, that all have clear goals, that are all trying to do great things. So hmm. I, I need you to articulate, how can I make a unique, a unique, exclusive impact on something that I care about through you rather than uh, through this maybe similar organization or at this organization that that addresses a different cause that I care about. Like donors are constantly comparing you to others trying to figure out where can I make the most impact. So if we're not articulating that on our pages during this season, then we just sound like everybody else. And then why would yeah. we give to that? I refer to this sort of season in giving as like a nonprofit's like Super Bowl moment, right? Like if you think about like the commercials that we consume during the Super Bowl, it's like, it's a company's like best foot forward, right? It's like their most creative, mm like narrative, you know, it, it's funny, it's whatever like the, the content is, but it's usually like the best produced piece of content because it's going to have the most eyeballs on it, right? So when I think yeah. about end of, end of your giving, you know, your, your campaigns, your, your donation pages, it's like, this is your moment where you're going to have the most amount of traffic looking at you, articulate your story, be specific, you know, and, and, and convert as, as much as possible, of, of course. But I think that that's, you know, to your, to your point, you know, just because you've got like these, these gadgets on your, on your page, that's not going to do all the, all the work for you. You still have to tell your right. story. You still have to compel people to give. And so I think that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty critical in, in, in you know, not just at end of your giving really all year round and in, in the way that you Absolutely. ask for supporters to give, which that actually takes us to our, 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 uh, I can't believe it's, it's already been over 30 minutes here, but 
I want to ask one more question. You know, we've talked so much about end of year uh, fundraising, right? And for many organizations, they've been they've been gearing up for this for the last quarter, some some even two quarters, uh, yeah. to to ensure the success of of their end of year. But what can fundraisers learn or take away from how to basically carry this on into the new year? Uh, and into the you know into the next sort of fundraising year, what what can they learn from the end of year course that that will make them better fundraisers in 2022 and beyond? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the most important things to know going into the season is that your year end fundraising is is not going to produce the results that you want it to produce, even if you use all the like if you go through the course and you implement every single tactic to the best of your ability, it is not going to produce the results that you want unless you have done the good and difficult work the entire year long of mm. cultivating and stewarding your donors well. So if all you've done this year and all you're planning to do next year is you know send some appeals, maybe you're sending a monthly appeal, and again, you're not leaning into this idea of how do I build a, a real relationship and cultivate a real relationship with my donors, again, you're not, you're not going to see the results that you want. So one cool thing about this course is I, I don't think there's Obviously, it's all framed uh, under the umbrella of year end and how do we leverage the urgency around this season um, in order to grow giving. But there's not a single tactic in there that can't be basically copied and pasted into another season of the year. The way that we lean into content and use content as a means of cultivation and relationship building is something you can and absolutely should do the entire season. Consider sending a weekly email to actually connect with your donors uh, through all of 2022. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. You don't have to have all these beautiful landing pages and a bunch of like automation in the background and all this stuff. Like if you sent a weekly email to your donors that had no direct call to action, but just told them a story of something you heard last week about someone being impacted by a donation and by the cause, I can nearly guarantee you, we don't give out guarantees a lot, but I can nearly <laughs> guarantee you that that is going to lead to greater giving by the end of the season. Because how many donors have you now invited in to this ongoing story of, of impact? And if I'm really that connected, then I'm going to be that much more inclined to, to give. Again, when you send the next appeal, whether it's next month, the following month, next quarter, or the next year-end season. So again, as you're going through this course, if you choose to sign up for it, and I hope you hope you will, Maybe have that in the back of your mind too, is like, yeah, I want to implement this now, but how do I weave this into my ongoing just communication and cultivation plan with my donors and, and, and potential donors? Absolutely. I spent about six years at Invisible Children. And one of the questions I get asked quite often from nonprofits is how to create the next Coding 2012 viral campaign, right? It's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a campaign that got 100 million views in, in, in six days and raised $20 million in 24 hours. And the answer is, it's like, it's very straightforward and it's simple for, you know, five, six years leading up to that moment. We had college age people on 15 routes around the world, not just here in the United States, traveling to universities, to colleges, to high schools, religious institutions, libraries, hospitals, basically anywhere that would, that would have an audience that we could talk to. And that was the movement that led to, mm. you know, this, just this like crazy successful campaign. And all of that effort was cultivating. We didn't call it that at the time, but if you think about like, you know, meeting with your supporters, like face to face, inspiring them, giving them stories, you know, bringing in speakers, like all that stuff just adds and builds and builds and, and, to, yeah. and, and it just eventually has this breakout moment. And so, you know, 
I think that the the point of of sharing that story is as you cultivate your donors also don't get like stuck in this like uh, annual cycle of, of like, I cultivate them and then they give in 12 months, right? Some donors are going to give on different cadences. Some donors will give every few years. Uh, but if, if you stick with the cultivation and showing this, the, the gratefulness of you know their commitment, it will pay off uh, and it will pay Absolutely. off in, 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 in nice dividends. And so couldn't agree more with uh, that insight there. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining the podcast for our listeners who are like, I got to get the rest of this this course. I got to register for it. Where can they go to register and, and read the course before it's uh, before the end of year is up? Yeah, you can go to nextstaffer.com slash year end course, and that should take you straight to a page to sign up. And And I would just say to you, thank you so much for making this accessible and free to literally anyone. At this point, we've got over a thousand people that have jumped into that course just this season alone. So oh, figure great. out ways to grow. And again, our, our mission is just is to grow generosity and equip as many people as we can to do that. And so we're so grateful for partners like you to make this type of content free for those on the ground doing the hard work every single day to see generosity grow. So uh, we're grateful to be able to, to give that away. Well, yeah, and it's, it is our honor. Uh, whenever we get a chance to work with your team, uh, we jump at it. And so thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to partner with with you all. We we do appreciate that and uh, for your time and look forward to getting this out to the listeners. So Nathan, have a wonderful rest of the week and happy uh, end of year fundraising to you and all your clients. And to you as well. Happy year end. <laughs> all right, take it easy. You too, see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nonstop Nonprofit. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fundraise, nonprofit fundraising software built by nonprofit people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on LinkedIn or text me at 562-242-8160. And don't forget to get your next episode the second it hits the internets. Go to nonstopnonprofitpodcast.com and sign up for email notifications today. See you next time.